art can mean different things to different people. For me, it's all about the joy of creating. So if you draw, paint, write, dance, sing, craft, play air guitar, or even sculpt using nothing but mashed potatoes, consider yourself an artist and join the conversation. For the next half hour, meet the artist, learn about their inspiration, and enjoy the beauty of creativity. Welcome to Art Talk with John Cole Artist. Well, hey, good evening, everyone. It's John Cole Artist, and I wanted to thank you for taking some time out of your very busy schedule, especially since we're moving into the holidays, uh, to spend a little time with me this evening. Or if you were listening to the podcast version after today, I absolutely appreciate it. So thank you. So tonight, I wanted to talk a little bit about the art of genealogy. Now, when I say that word, <clears throat> a lot of the times I get a blank stare. And it's not because people don't know what genealogy is, um, but it's because they find it um, non-interesting, which is a really interesting phenomenon with people considering family history and genealogy really is establishing your own personal history. <clears throat> excuse me. Now, before I, <clears throat> excuse me again, before I get into more details, um, hopefully somebody will watch tonight and remind me that I put the cat out and I want to make sure I bring her back in because it's getting quite cold outside. So yeah, I often um, <clears throat> use the word genealogy of family history and people tend to give me a blank look because they're just, they just don't seem to have an interest in it. And I think they're really missing out because family history, again, is one way for you to establish where you're from. And what's really interesting about family history is that when you know more about your parents, more about your grandparents, your great-grandparents, et cetera, uh, you can start to almost see patterns. You know, this there's this idea of um, generational trauma, right? If something happens two or three generations back, that can actually carry forward. And a lot of times we don't really know perhaps how we're feeling or why we're in the situation we're in. And believe it or not, you can really trace back who you are, not only in your, your DNA itself, but your characteristics, the things that you believe, and the things that you feel can often be traced back that way. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that tonight. Um, and I also, of course, want to talk a little bit about how I got started. And then towards the end of the program, I'll tell you how you can start your own family tree if that's something you haven't thought about. So hello, Christine. My wife is on. And hello, Tracy. Tracy Wisnowski, um, by the way, will be on my show next week. And I'm really looking forward to having her on there, uh, her on here. Um, it's going to be a really good show. So hi, Tracy. Okay, so how did I get started? So basically the story goes like this. Um, <clears throat> my mother was known in our family as the family historian. She started tracking back our family tree probably in the mid-90s. And I remember that because I was living with her at the time in Buffalo, New York. And we had bought our, or I had bought my first 486 computer, which if you go back enough, um, that's a really, really slow computer by today's standards. But I remember I bought this computer system. And at the time, there wasn't 
any major ancestral databases, right? There wasn't Ancestry.com. There wasn't MyHeritage. There wasn't any of these resources that we now have access to. So our only connection was to our local library. And of course, it was all via modem. And for those that don't remember modems, those were those funky little boxes that made that squealing noise and then connected you to the internet through your telephone line. But back in the 90s, when, when I had this first computer, um, you know, she, she wanted me to help her do research because to that point, the only information that she had was old family Bibles. She had some old photographs. And of course, she had her own knowledge of her own parents. And she was really intrigued with trying to figure out where folks came from, primarily because there were a couple surnames that she recalled from her mother that um, are very unique surnames. They don't typically show up uh, in America. As a matter of fact, they don't show up anywhere. It's a name that just kind of appeared out of nowhere. Uh, but what she really wanted to do, she wanted to learn more about that as well as learning more about her own family. So I had this computer shortly afterwards. She ended up picking up a, I believe it was a Compaq computer way back when Compaq was, was still a computer company. Um, and then, of course, she started using the local library resources to, to start down the path to discover who was she, where did she come from. I didn't put a lot of effort in because to be quite honest with you, uh, I didn't really care, right? And I, and I would argue that a lot of folks at that age and really until you get over in life, older in life tend to not really care so much about you, about where you came from. Um, so I didn't really have a really big interest in it. However, I would help her when I could. I would go online and I would do a little bit of research for her, didn't know what I was doing. Again, not a lot of records out there, uh, but it gave me something to do as I was working my full-time job with the Coast Guard. Well, subsequent to that, I ended up moving to Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, I moved up to Salem. And what was really nice is that by that time, and this would have been the late 90s, she discovered that we connect to Edward Bangs. Now, Edward Bangs was what you can classify as a pilgrim. He, his, um, or my mother's great-great-grandmother, Harriet Bangs, had married um, Daniel Goyd, and this would have been in the uh, early 1800s. Well, the Bangs family, Harriet Bangs, she was able to trace that back to Edward Bangs. And Edward Bangs came over in 1623 aboard the Anne, and he was one of the founders of Eastham down on Cape Cod, Massachusetts. And, you know, that to me was really interesting because I was living in Salem, Massachusetts, and I had easy access to uh, not only the library here, but also Plymouth, right? So you came in during the 1620s, you know, your records are going to be stored in Plymouth. You know, that really was the center of um, early America, right? As far as the European settlements. Um, still, I didn't really run with anything. I thought it was cool, right? She would send me this genealogy and I'm looking at it going, yeah, this is kind of nice. There's all these people. I don't know who these people are. You know, who really cares? I think the cool part for me was, hey, we relate to somebody from early New England. Well, time went on, and of course, we hit the 2000s, and um, <clears throat> my mother um, 
uh, ended up getting leukemia. And it was a very difficult time for my sister and I, because by this time my father had passed away. He passed away back in 1987. A very difficult time for my mother. And somehow she went into remission, which was wonderful. So Christine, my wife and I, took her on this trip to um, uh, Arizona where we got to see the Grand Canyon and we got to do some pretty amazing things out west. Uh, but then maybe less than a year later, uh, the leukemia came back. And before you know it, my sister and I were standing by her bedside uh, as she passed away. And really that's what did it for me because when she passed away, uh, she was really the only connection that I had to my ancestry. So whatever she, whatever research she conducted, you know, she still had, because again, this was the nineties and we didn't have these, you know, massive hard drives. We didn't have all this digital data. Um, so really what happened is, is when she passed um, within, you know, her remaining uh, belongings, were file cabinets and file cabinets of hard copy printed genealogical material. And uh, my sister at the time couldn't, couldn't really support that, so I agreed to take that. And this, I think, is when uh, my wife and I, right around the time we moved to West Virginia. So we moved to West Virginia. I brought back literally 15 cardboard boxes full of hard copy material. And because she passed, because my my father had passed away in the past, uh, back in 87, I thought, well, maybe I do need to pay attention to this because she had put all this work in. We had this, this, this ancestry connection to early New England. Um, why don't I go ahead and start opening up these boxes? And really the first thing I did was I started to confirm her data because by that time we did have, uh, you know, better internet presence. So I probably spent, you know, six to eight months at least trying to go through all these boxes. I, I think to this day, I still haven't gone through everything. My guess is, is downstairs in my basement, I still have some boxes. But um, I went and I confirmed all her work. And while I was doing that, and she had found some interesting things, right? We had, for example, my great-grandfather had abandoned his wife in England and came over to Philadelphia and remarried. Actually, wait a minute. He didn't even remarry. He took a second wife. He was a polygamist. And then, of course, the son came over later to find him. And, you know, this guy ended up dying of exposure or something like that. I guess he was a boxer or something like that in, in Philadelphia. But, you know, these really interesting little stories that I was reading that was scattered throughout this material that she left. But anyway, as I was doing that, I thought to myself, well, you know, I don't know anything about my dad. You know, I've, I've talked about my father, um, not only in uh, the speech at Behind the Power last year, but I also spoke about him uh, in a speech the year before that. You know, my dad was was an interesting man. What I really knew about him were, were, were very few things. Um, I knew, for example, that he was 20 years older than my mother. I learned, and I knew that he had another son, you know, my half-brother, whom Unfortunately, to this day, I don't know whatever became of him. He was, uh, he ended up getting, he was given up for foster care probably when I was like four or five years old. Um, and I also knew that, he, you know, he obviously had been married before. Oh, and that he was a World War II veteran. I knew that because he used to have this picture of a uh, uh, flying super for fortress, a B-29, I think it is. He used to have this picture he carried around for years. I've, 
I've got it in some of my files somewhere. So that was meaningful to him. But but that's really all I knew about this guy. And I'm like, you know, here I am, um, you know, by this time in my mid-40s going, you know, why don't I know anything about my father? What what was what's the story behind that? And and I I then became extremely interested in learning more about him because you know what I had I had often said because you know I've I've always been an angry person and I always tended to say well I got that from my father right because we do we do that a lot right we'll say well yeah I've got an artistic trait I must have got it from my mom or I'm really good at dance you know my father was a was a ballet person or something um, which is why I can dance so well. So I always thought, well, hey, I got my anger from my father. So I started to do the research on him, and this this is this was some interesting things I found. I mean, first of all, I found number one that my mother and father were never married, which which was interesting because for years I thought they were married. I have the Cole last name, uh, but what's interesting is when I was born. Uh, all the way up until uh, kindergarten, first grade, I didn't have Cole as my last name. My last name was Dorr, spelled D-O-E-R-R. -R. And that's because I found out later that my mother had been married once before to Donald Dorr. So my guess is, is that those two somehow hooked up. I think that's the term you young kids use, right? They hooked up. They hooked up, uh, you know, my father, Howard, and my mother, Judith. I was born... And then by the time my sister was born a year or so later, uh, I guess my mother had went ahead and adopted the, you know, the common law idea of taking the father's surname. So my sister had the, the right last name. I had the wrong last name. Um, so I started looking at my father. And, and what I found next was my father and his second wife, which my father and his previous wife, I should say, I don't know if I can say that. My father and his and his wife before my mother. How about that? Um, they hadn't really been officially divorced till the 80s, which was really interesting as well. And then lastly, as I'm starting to go through old records, census records, right? And the federal census are awesome. They're done every 10 years. Um and they basically allow you to track people backwards in time, right? So, for example, my father was born in 1919. So using the census records, I could see where he was living in 1920, 30, 40, and, of course, 1950. Uh, the 1960 records won't be available for, like, another 50 years. They release them, like, every 72 years or something like that. Um, so... I'm tracking all this stuff back. And of course, with, with modern databases like Ancestry.com or FamilySearch.org and places like that, um, you start to pick out other information. Like, for example, I was able to find my father's military record, which, by the way, was very fortunate because in the 70s, um, the military archive had a major fire and, and, and most, if not all, of the World War II and World War II, World War I veterans' records were burned. But fortunately, my father's uh, uh, papers were in there, and I was able to see, you know, that he was, that he did fly on, on a aircraft. My assumption would be, you know, that flying super fortress that he kept as a memento. Um, but also that in 1942, he was married not to the woman who gave birth to my half-brother, but he was actually married 
back in the 1940s, which is really interesting. So knowing this information, finding, you know, who this original woman was, I was able to use um, Ancestry.com specifically and, and reach out to some folks because, you know, genealogy is interesting. Family history is interesting because it's not, it's not a one-way street. So for example, if I wanted to, to, to research my Cole last name, you know, my first thought is I'm going to go backwards in time, right? Um, John Cole's the son of Howard Cole, the son of Frederick Cole, the son of Orange Cole, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But genealogy can also move you forward, meaning that if I go back, you know, three generations to Orange Cole, who was a Civil War veteran, um, and then his children, I then, you know, I research forward to present day. I can find distant cousins who may still have information about people that, you know, were contemporary with me at one point. And that's exactly what I did. I found, you know, by going back two or three, um, two or three generations and then moving forward, I found someone that actually knew my father as a child or, or, you know, during his younger days. And, and really what I learned was that he was uh, estranged from his family. My, my father had a very bad temper and I knew this, I knew this because I, I grew up in an environment where he was quick to anger. Um, but he had a really difficult time. You know, he was, he was arrested multiple times when he was young. He, um, you know, he joined the service, you know, went off to war. He flew, uh, over in the Asia Pacific theater, right before uh, the Enola Gay dropped the atomic bomb, really within months of that. Um, but then I, I, I found out that he really had this bad reputation with his family. And, and really the sad part is because you see, he never spoke about his parents, Frederick or Rose Datler. Datler was her maiden name. She was um, a German immigrant. He never talked about those two. Uh, but what I found out is that um, yeah, his family, I don't want to say disown, but they basically, you know, washed their hands of him because he just had this, this temper um, going on. So I learned that about him and that would, and that explained why he never talked about people. That's really why he never talked about his past because he really wasn't involved with those folks. But what's really, what's really interesting about it is, you know, when you know where someone came from, like, like my father was born in 1919, like I said, his, his father was a truck driver, and of course, his mother was this German immigrant. And, you know, his mother had six total children, but my father was the only one that lived through the, the Spanish flu, you know, which is, which is lucky for me, because if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't be here. Um, and then, of course, his father, Orange Theodore Cole, who was the Civil War veteran, um, lived in Seneca Falls, New York. Um, and basically was a farmer. So, so there's this, and then of course my father never really got an education. He ended up dropping out of school at like age 11. Um, and then ended up doing part-time jobs, which explains why I moved around so much as a kid. We always moved so that he could find work so that he could feed us. Right. But it's really interesting when you look at that from this, this generational trauma type perspective, because when you know about where you came from, you can then set back and, and you, you can no longer say, I'm going to blame my father because I'm angry. Because the fact is, it's a learned behavior, right? It's a learned behavior. I learned that from him, just like he learned that 
from most likely his father and maybe the fact that, you know, life in the 1920s, 1930s, and 1940s was extremely difficult for people, especially if you didn't have a big income, you know. And knowing that information can then help you change your mind about who you think you are. And it's and it's really quite an amazing thing. So the more you know about your family, the more you know about yourself. So just to recap, I started after my mom passed away. Uh, this was about this was back in 2006. So I've really been been looking at my own family for the last 17 years. But I've also reached out and looked at other families. And one of the interesting things that I find with other fam families um, is how connected we really are. Now, for example, I wrote not that long ago. Well, maybe it was a little while ago. Let me see what the date is. This Back in 2013, I put this book out. It's called 50 Kinfolk, the Famous and the Notorious. And what this book includes are ancestry charts to 50 people, 50 famous or infamous people that I'm related to. For example, I am related to Clara Barton, Nathaniel Hawthorne, Jodie Foster, um, Walt Disney, Clint Eastwood, and I'll give you throw and uh, Lizzie Borden. Lizzie Borden's in my family tree. So Tracy, if you're watching, just know that you are related to an axe murderer. Is um, but when you when you do research for other people, you start to see we're all, all connected. And how this book came to be is by last names. And I've been asked this before, is how do you establish these connections with famous people, uh, with other people? Yeah, you probably do have that book, Tracy. She writes, uh, pretty sure I have that book somewhere, yeah. And I actually wrote a sequel called 50 More Kinfolk, which really makes that total up to 100. And as it, as it, as it is, I'm, I'm finding other people all the time. But what happens is, is if I do my family tree and I go back maybe four or five generations, I might have upwards to 100, 150 people in my family tree. Why is that? Well, I've got two parents. Each of my parents has two parents. That's four. Each of those four people have parents, uh, which now becomes uh, what, eight, two, four, six, eight people, then 16, 32, et cetera, et cetera. So you don't have to go back that far before your family tree really explodes. And then, of course, if you start researching forward, that number is going to get even bigger. But what was happening is my, my uh, family tree database, because I was able to find connections to the Cole family line, uh, that I found dated back also to the 1620s. Uh, James Cole was one of the early settlers of Plymouth. Matter of fact, he he owned an ordinary, he owned a tavern. And, um, you know, so I've got roots on both sides of the family uh, from New England. But the further you go back, the more people you find. And then what happens is if other people are doing their research and their lines tie in to your ancestors, you are cousins. And that's really how those books came to be is I had so many names in my database. And as I was, you know, looking for other people uh, within my family tree, I would see that these folks were also related to the same people I was, right? And that's exactly what I see happen with people that aren't necessarily famous. They're famous in my life, but they're not really, you know, globally famous. For example, I um, recently did um, 
my my first family tree for someone that I haven't, you know, because I haven't done it in a while. I kind of took a break on it. I did my first family tree for someone uh, who lives up in New Hampshire, a friend of mine. I thought, well, you know what? I want to see whether or not I can get back into this, whether or not I still have it. You know, I still have that magic touch. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take a look at her family tree and see what I come up with. So uh, I started down that rabbit hole. And next thing you know, I come to find out we're, ten co we're 10th cousins because we share the same common ancestor. Back in 2017, I was sitting in the island of Oahu out in Hawaii. And one of the uh, people that I worked with, I said, well, I'll go ahead and do your family tree. This guy was from Spartanburg, South Carolina, Southern drawl, greatest guy in the world. So I thought, yeah, I'll go ahead and do your family tree. So I started down that path. Now, the question is, what does Spartanburg South Carolina have to do with me who grew up in Buffalo, New York. Well, it just so happens in my family tree and his family tree, there's another common ancestor. So E.B. Lawson is my cousin. And I see that happen time and time again. You know, it it, it underpins that idea that we're all connected because that, in some, you know, in more than some respects, a lot of times we actually are related and we are all from the same family tree. So uh, fascinating stuff, totally interesting. And then of course, you know, you run into, you know, the history, you know, the, the people that were living during these, these, these times during history. And you can often find a lot of information, especially for those that participated in the civil war. You know, if you have any kind of, uh, you know, American roots that date back earlier than 1860, there's, there's a good chance that one of your ancestors was a Civil War veteran, whether or not it was for the Union or the Confederacy. Uh, and even that's kind of neat because the Civil War was so well documented that if you knew when your ancestor signed up and when your ancestor departed service, and there are records for that, uh, you can actually tell, because again, the Civil War was so well documented, exactly where they were on any given day during that four-year period, which, again, is pretty neat, right? So, but the discovery process is interesting. The information you find is interesting. And then when you start to put it all together, you you start building, um, you know, really the, this family outline. You know, there are folks out there that might be only children. And I think when you do your family history, you realize that you're really not alone. You're just part of one continuous story, right? And I think sometimes that can really help people as well. Um, yeah, so there are, of course, certain issues that we run into. Um, not everything is easy as jumping onto a database and, and connecting all the dots. We have issues like, the Holocaust, Holocaust records are sometimes very difficult to gain because that information probably never existed. There is really the whole Jewish community is difficult to, to tap into. Most of the genealogical databases online right now, like Ancestry and places like that, are run by the Latter-day Saints, which is awesome that they're collecting all this stuff. Uh, however, their process does include baptizing people that have that have been deceased and the Jewish community never really cared for that. So they tend to not partake in, in that particular site. However, there are other sites where you can gather information. Uh, some other things that, that, that you could run into that could be problematic, foreign language. You know, I don't speak Russian. 
I don't speak German. And a lot of times records will be in either, you know, German, Russian, Czech, you know, you, you name that, you name it, you, the records are going to be in that. And uh, that's where it's helpful to find someone that knows the languages that could help you. Or more commonly, um, French, because a lot of people that that I've that I've researched over the years tend to have French Canadian roots, which is fine. But again, I don't speak French. And of course, back in the day, their handwriting was so cursive that even trying to interpret what they what they wrote is difficult. Um, but it's possible. And worst case scenario, you end up with what I call unicorns, which are dead ends. And trust me, in my family tree, I've got I've got plenty of dead ends, plenty of unicorns. So I, I hope that, you know, me talking for this last 30 minutes at least gives you an interest in your family tree. And, and even if you don't like your family, and there are people out there that just don't get along with their family, they, they themselves are estranged. Keep in mind that, you know, the actions of your parents or your siblings or anybody like that really have nothing to do with the generations that came before them. And I think when you when you start to look at the older generations, that's when you really get an appreciation of for what for what they did, what they accomplished and who they were to get you to where you are today. Because I wouldn't be here without my father, who wouldn't be here without his father and his mother, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there is value there for all of us, and I certainly encourage you to take a look at that. So before I go, though, I will leave you with a free resource. Now, Ancestry.com is a paid resource. It could be a little expensive sometimes. Uh, MyHeritage.com, which is another genealogical database, can be expensive. And sometimes if we're just going to do this as a hobby or just want to play around or, or see where we can go, we might not want to drop four or $500 um, just for something that's short-term. So I would recommend FamilySearch.org, F-A-M-I-L-Y-S-E-A-R-C-H.org. It's a free site. It's affiliated, again, with the LDS. Uh, however, there are uh, records that are available uh, that you can use to start your family tree. The only word of caution is Living people, contemporary people, myself, my daughter, my wife, you know, if my mother and father were still alive, records like that are going to be very difficult to obtain. Uh, typically, when a person dies, their records then become public domain. Um, but if people are still alive, you're not going to get at those records. So if you are having difficulties with your family, maybe apologize for one day to get some of the information that you might not have. Uh, and then go ahead and be mad again or whatever. Um, but it really is helpful to, to know at least, you know, what your parents' birthdays were, you know, maybe where they were born, and if possible, your grandparents. Because once you get back there, the 1950 census is available, like I mentioned earlier. So if anybody was born before 1950, you're then able to pick up at that point and then continue to move backwards. So, but familysearch.org is the free source that I would recommend. If you want to get started, or you can reach out to me, I'd be happy to help. Well, I want to thank you guys for spending the time with me. I um, really had a good time talking about this. And as I mentioned, next week, I'm going to have Tracy Wisnowski on. Tracy is an entrepreneur. Um, she sells clothing products, and um, she just happens to be my daughter. So I cannot wait to speak to Tracy uh, next week. So hopefully you guys can join me. And until next time. 
keep painting, keep writing, do a little research. Why not? It's fun. See ya. Thank you so very much for joining me on the Art Talk Podcast, where it's my goal to bring artists together to talk about their craft. If you'd like to join me for a conversation, please reach out via email at johncoleartist at gmail.com or by visiting my website at johnrobertcole.com. So until next time, keep crafting, painting, and inspiring others with your creativity. You make more of an impact than you know. See ya.